Welcome to the Body Positivity Podcast. Diana and I are super excited to introduce our awesome guest today. Having grown up with a stutter, paralyzing public speaking fear, and social anxiety, Laura Reed is an unlikely podcast host, international keynote speaker, and speaking coach. But that's what makes her uniquely aligned to help others overcome their fear, find their voice, and tell their most authentic stories. She is the founder of StoryForth, where she helps entrepreneurs, nonprofits, and companies grow through the art of story marketing. Laura also founded the Speak Easy School, where she creates virtual courses dedicated to improving public speaking. Laura is the host of the Toastmasters District 49 podcast and also the co-creator and co-host of the Backstory podcast with Kane and Laura, where they interview speakers, storytellers, and leaders who are considered the best in the business. Laura has a passion for writing and has published numerous articles on storytelling, speaking, and teaching. She resides on the Big Island of Hawaii and relishes in the natural beauty, isolation, and adventure. A perfect day for Laura consists of finding joy in simple pleasures, small moments, learning something new, wandering, wondering, writing, giving and receiving love, creating and experiencing life. I give you Laura Reed. It's such an honor to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you, Arliss, for that introduction. Thank you, Diana, for your beautiful, welcoming energy. Uh, it's such a pleasure to have you with us today, Laura. I'm, I have been looking forward to this all week and I, I was waiting actually for this because I was like, ooh, this is gonna be like an amazing thing I'm gonna get to write in my gratitude journal. And like, so I'm like so pumped for our, our podcast today. Thank you so much for being here with us. I'm gonna open us up with a question. What part of your body has been the easiest to love? And we're, we're doing this again. Our whole topic today is body positivity, badassery over 50. And I'm so thrilled that you brought that topic uh, to us. And as a woman over 50, would love to know, you know, what part of your body has been the easiest for you to love? The easiest part of my body to love is just like a table topics <laughs> right now, right? <laughs> the easiest would be my eyes because I don't have to really, they've always kind of looked the same my whole life. And I do believe your eyes are like mirrors of your soul, windows to your soul. They tell a lot about who you are and they can be expressive. And yeah, that would be, that'd be the part of my body I love. Does that count? Yeah, <laughs> nice. absolutely. Okay, good. absolutely. So I wanna follow up with maybe a harder question which is what part of your body has been the most challenging to love? And maybe it's different now, um, you know, being over 50. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think it's changed throughout the years. When I was a teenager, it was definitely my thighs. Like that was a thing. I wanted really long, thin legs. And that is not what I got. <laughs> it's not what I had. And I felt like I was just... It's funny looking back, they were pretty awesome. But at the time, you know, I, I looked at, at my legs. I was like, no, I want to be like hers, like the cheerleader. And, and um, I was always just trying to change how I looked that way. As I've gotten older, geez, it's, 
it again, it's probably changed a bit, but I'd say since being a mom, definitely my stomach and my abdomen, especially after giving birth. And I feel like that's gotten harder and harder to love even now. And Arliss, I remember a really uh, powerful exercise you led us through in one of your talks was to like put your hands on the part of your body like that you really don't like. And then you led us through to love it. And I was almost crying because I went right to my stomach, my and my abdomen again. And, but, you know, you told us like, why are like, be grateful for that part of your body. Think about what it's done for you. And my realization with it, as much as I find it challenging, just because, um, you know, it's where all my stretch marks are. I've had a lot of different surgeries now. I've got these scars. I can't seem to firm it up there anymore. And uh, but I was like, wow, that's the part of my body that created my son. That's been through so much. That's healed through trauma. Like so much like invasive surgeries, unexpected, you know, things have happened there. Uh, and that's kind of like my gut that I should trust more too. It's a very like important spiritual place as well. Mm -hmm. And where I digest all the food now that's been nourish nourishing me and helping me grow. So that was a really powerful exercise. Thank you for that. And I am learning to love that part of me more now, appreciate it more. Absolutely. Well, as someone that has seen you in a bikini rocking that stomach of yours on the beach, like you definitely have something to love for sure. Thank you. <laughs> I really resonated with what you shared too, Laura, about not loving your thighs. Cause that was something that for me, like I did not wear shorts. Like that was like completely not acceptable. Like, no, my legs belong in pants. Doesn't matter if it's 120 degrees out. I like these pants. <laughs> Did you have any kind of experience like that too? Oh, when you, you brought like, that up, I almost still got a little bit of like, I felt a little traumatized by gym class. Like I remember gym class, we had to wear a uniform in high school and they were these awful mustard yellow shorts. <laughs> that all the girls had to wear. And it was a nightmare for me because again, I felt like I wasn't, like I didn't look good in shorts. I did not want to wear shorts. I was completely embarrassed by my legs for no reason, <laughs> but I was because of that standard of beauty, especially at the time, right? And I felt like I didn't fit that mold. And of course, when you're a teenager as well, you're, you're really starting to be much more aware of yourself, of um, how you look and how that's perceived by others, right? Because mm -hmm. I never even thought about my legs. Like when you're a child, like you just like, who cares, right? They're for running and playing, <laughs> but suddenly, yeah, they're um, a part of you that becomes really important. And it was, yeah, I just, I'm remembering gym class. Thanks for that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I think that every yeah. every gym class had those mustard uh, mustard yellow shorts because mine did too. Maybe they were standard across the country or something. Why? It's I don't know bad why they enough as it the is. Ones, right? Like it's never a cute style. It's like who do these look good on? Like two people, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember those kind of experiences with with like not wanting to wear shorts. And again, I would wear the sweatpants. I like, even though it was the summer, but somehow find a way. No, I love this. I love this. <laughs> like I love sweating like a pig inside. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Yeah, I, and you bring up a really good, you know, point, both of you, like saying that we enjoy something or we love something to hide a part of our body that we weren't, you know, happy with, you know, how many times have we all done that? Um, and what I hear from your, you, Laura, is that you're not doing that anymore. You know, you're, you're wearing what you want and what you love and, you know, totally embracing your body. Yeah, hell no. No, there comes a point in your life when you're old enough and wise enough, <laughs> definitely past 50. I would say I probably started feeling that way more in my 40s, but definitely now, like even more so, where you really don't care. You do not give any more, you know what? I just have no <laughs> more left to give, right? There comes a certain age where that jar is like empty. You're like, you know what? I'm going to enjoy life. I love my body. I love what it's been through. I love how resilient it is. And that to me is badassery over 50, right? It's it's owning who you are because the sexiest thing is confidence, right? It's just being like being comfortable in your own skin, literally, is the most attractive thing and a huge act of self-love. So absolutely not. Yeah, I don't like I am going to wear shorts anytime I want or be naked. That's an option. <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's a great lead into our next question. What is a current self care or self love practice that you have? Mm. I have so many. I feel like my whole life now evolves around self-love practices. I don't know if that's good or bad, but, but it's good. That's good. Thanks for the validation on that. Um, definitely giving myself the space and solitude that I personally need to breathe. I know if I'm on the screen too much, right? Or if I'm, um, I've packed too many things in to show up for other people or to, you know, please other people. Um, it is really draining for me. And as an introvert, I'm my, it's like my social battery just runs out really quickly, right? Like I really want to come to your party, but then I'm there. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like 15 minutes. I'm like, I'm like burnt out. So I need that, that space, um, to be in nature, to be alone. And like some of my friends think it's really weird that I want to go on hikes by myself or a bike ride on my on my own. And they're always like, oh, can I come next time? I want to go with you. I'm like, sure. You know, but, <laughs> but it's like they don't understand it that for me, like I, I love that. I'm not lonely. It's really nourishes my soul. So I'd say that's the bigger one. And every day routine would be meditating every morning. Um, I meditate every morning, no matter what. Lately, I've been doing multiple times a day <laughs> but again that's just what i need at different times in my life right now i'm do you meditate using an app or do you do a silent meditation i would love for you to share your your tips around what works for you because it might work for one of our listeners yeah it, honestly it, it depends a little bit on my mood i love being able to meditate without anything that's something i would say i'm working towards to be better at but i find if i'm home for some reason it's harder to do if i'm at the beach just sitting in the surf 
or in a park and I can sit on the ground, I'm really good at just listening to the sounds of nature and being there present. But when I'm at home waking up in the morning, I do like, there's a couple apps. Um, one is a brainwave meditation. There's a bunch out there you can download, but it's basically, you're just listening to these different brain waves and they have one called like morning coffee <laughs> that I just like, and it kind of gives me permission to sip my coffee while I'm doing that. And I feel like I'm still meditating. <laughs> Um, and there's others that, you know, you can do right before bed that are meant to help you fall asleep and have a deep sleep. There's a power nap one. I love that. Um, and then insight, insight timer. It's one of my favorite meditation apps, brilliant uh, guides that lead you through different meditations. You can search for what you need. So there's a whole bunch of morning meditations to just start out your day and affirmations and the sleep ones are so powerful that I usually never get to the end. I, I just never make it to the end. They have put me to sleep, which is, is huge. So I think it depends for me in the time of day and what serves you best. I would say if you're just starting out meditating, do a simple guided meditation because it, it forces you to just listen through it till the end. Um, sometimes if you're not used to meditating and you try to do it on your own in silence, you're very, um, you know, your grumpy landlord in your head, the inner <laughs> critic starts piping in, telling you like, you've got to do all these things. What are you doing? <laughs> like, what are you even like? No, like, aren't you supposed to worry about all these things you're meant to do? And then it, you know, it kind of kills it. So, yeah. Yeah, that was my finding with meditation as well, where I needed, I, especially when starting out, I needed some help and some guidance. But I'm a huge fan, too, of like the silent, like nothing there meditation and a huge, huge fan of doing it in nature. I just feel so connected and like grounded when I'm at the beach or like you said, at the park doing it. Um, but yeah, I actually, I want to ask though, Arliss, can you tell us a little bit about this body love meditation that, cause I feel like, I feel like I can't be the only person who heard about that, received that little nugget and is curious. Um, yeah. Can you share something? Absolutely. Well, I could step us through a really short, short version of it. If you guys want to do it. I'm in. That would be awesome. awesome. Okay, so find a comfortable place where you are. Go ahead and close your eyes. And take a deep breath in. And let it out. And now I want you to place your hands on an area of your body that maybe you have found challenging. Maybe it's an area that you've said hurtful words to in your past. Maybe it's an area that your health has been challenged around. And just hold it in your hands. Take a deep breath in and let it out. And now I want you to imagine a glowing golden light starting in your chest, growing and growing out of your heart space. This is your love for yourself. And as it grows, send it to that area of your body that you're holding and see that golden light filling the area that you're holding so gently 
and lovingly in your hands. And as that area glows more golden and more bright, say to that area of your body, I love you. I hear you. I'm holding you. I'm here for you. Take a deep breath in and let it out. And please open your eyes. So beautiful, Arliss. Thank you for that. That your voice guiding is, man, yeah. Can you record it? And I just want to listen to that every morning. <laughs> I already thought about your that. Voice. Like, we'll turn that into a little clip. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, your voice is so soothing, Arliss. It's it's such a pleasure to to meditate with you. Thank you. I'm I'm actually in a program to to learn the different types of meditation and to become a formal instructor. So it's it's something that's on my list to do and I really enjoy every time that I get to share it. So thank you both. That would be amazing. Sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I, you know, I want to come back to our questions and, um, you know, you had described a time in your, in your life, um, after you had had, uh, your son, your amazing son, where you felt like disconnected from an area of your body, your stomach. And, um, what is one piece of advice that you would give to our listeners on how to reconnect to your body? when you feel like you're falling back into that negative pattern or a disconnection is happening? I'd say acceptance is so huge. You know, acceptance from a place of love. And as you just led us through right now, sometimes those parts of ourselves that we're most challenged by, are they're the parts that need the most love from us, right? So I think once we accept them and we're grateful for what they give us, then we can love them so much more fully. And instead of, you know, me, let's say I did 200 crunches a day and stopped eating or something to try to make that part of myself look like this ideal image I might have had in my mind at one time, that would be really punishing that part of myself, right, instead of loving it. So I think coming at these parts of ourselves with a gentleness um, and a kindness, making it more fun for ourselves. Um, like I work out every day now, but I do it in a way that is really fun and nurturing for myself. I actually kind of include a meditation. I, I walk and I run and, and then I stop at the grass and just do whatever I want for that period of time, maybe some squats or, you know, whatever I feel like, like there's a, cause I realized when it's more of a routine, when I was going to the gym and it's like, okay, a hundred of this to 20 of that, it just didn't it didn't feel right to who I am. It works for so many other people, but for me, it did, it felt so tedious for me. And, um, but now it's, I love music and I love singing. Um, other people don't necessarily love to hear me sing, but I love to sing, I'm still gonna do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I love to just sing really loud and um, do a workout that way. And to me, that's nurturing and it's kindness and it's self-love. <clears throat> and if my body becomes healthier um, because of that, 
that's a perk, you know, it's more like a bonus than that's the goal. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I think it's so much about, um, like enjoying the process. And that's what I'm hearing you really mention is like, instead of it being something that feels like I need to do 200 crunches or something like that, it's like, I feel like playing in the grass. <laughs> right. And like, it gets to be fun the way that we move our body instead of, um, regimented or overly controlled. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious specifically, you know, like I hear that you are here in this place now at, at your age, but like, what do you, what do you feel like are some of the things that you wished that you would have known? Or like, if you could have told your younger self, mm. um, you know, given her advice, what do you, what do you wish you would have told or known back then? It's like, girl, we need to talk. <laughs> there, there's so many things I wish I could go back and tell that girl. My goodness. I think the number one thing would be to be true to yourself. Like be true to who you are. Don't try to fit into someone else's mold. Um, stop trying to please everybody else and earn their validation and acceptance. Just be your own unique, like badass person that you are already. But instead, I always felt like I had to earn something. I had to seek approval from other people. And of course, I never quite fit in doing that. Um, and because of that, I think I always felt like an outsider in a way, I would say. Um, I mean, at the time, I would say it was you know, more of a rebel. But secretly, I wanted to be accepted. But I really never was. But I also wasn't okay with that. So if I could go back and tell her to just own that, like be okay with who you are. Um, stop, you know, in, in high school, I developed bulimia. And so it's constant cycle of punishment and rewards, punishment and rewards, um, and just hurting my body because of that. Uh, and I wish I could go back and say to, to fully love, love myself. Um, yeah. Boy, how much time do we have? <laughs> I, I love it. And, and I, I relate to that a lot, you know, in, in high school, I also developed anorexia and bulimia and, and I remember that cycle that you're talking about, you know, if I was good that day, then I could eat this and it would be okay. Um, and, and how toxic that is. Um, and one thing that I would love to ask you now that, Diana and I have talked about in our past podcasts is what's one of your favorite safe foods that works really well for your body. You enjoy eating and it's super yummy and you love it. I could eat oatmeal for the rest of my life. Like it's just something about oatmeal, just so nurturing and warm to me. I mean, I go through a bag a week of like the Bob's Red Mill, like the good oats, you know, and, um, and different toppings and everything. It's something about that would be my safe food that gives me energy. I put um, cacao powder in it and some fruit and like maybe a little bit of honey, not too much sugar, but cinnamon and bananas. Like there's just so many ways that I'd love to have it. And it makes me feel like I'm really full afterwards, but I feel nourished and just warms me up. It's a comfort food, I would say. But yeah, love it. You come alive talking about it. It's really oh, interesting. See? Like you're like, 
you're like bananas and honey. <laughs> but you know what? I do that with all foods. I just like food. So yeah. any, any food, I think Arliss was just asking me, are there any foods you don't like? Or I was like, no, like I can't think of anything I wouldn't eat that I don't like. Like there's not a single food. So I grew up in restaurants and you know, with a real, um, a chef dad that made me, you know, great meals at a young age, taught me how to cook. I love cooking. And yeah, I worked in restaurants for years and I just, I love food. So I could be talking about oatmeal or, you know, anything like, honestly, avocado, it's going to be the same. Awesome. I can't wait to see your next stand up set all about food. It'll be good. <laughs> I'll work that in. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I could definitely do that. <laughs> You know, I really related as well to what you um, what you shared. I didn't, I think I, ha I never like had an official eating disorder, but there were definitely ways in which I fully restricted what I ate where it'd be like, I would have years where it's like, Diana's not eating carbs like this year <laughs> kind mm -hmm. of thing like at all. Or, and then the opposite, because I went through like gaining, losing, gaining, losing um, and there was for me i found a lot of shame around food because many of the things that i liked were not things that other people thought i should like or you know they'd say things about it and so i i developed a lot of like shame and kind of those sort of feelings around around eating and i feel like i feel like there's a lot of that like self-judgment and shame that can show up for us and it's it's painful to see that you know, like we feel these feelings about our bodies and then to realize that it's also attached to how we treat our bodies in this in this abusive kind of way. Yeah, that food shame is real. I really just recently, I would say in the past year, gotten over that more. You know, I had an experience where I was um, stranded in Bali for four months, right? And really forced to love myself out of survival, I would say. Um, I lost quite a bit of weight, like over 40 pounds and just got a lot healthier there walking every day. And what I realized there though, was I could eat, I could eat the cookie, like eat the cookie. <laughs> you know, it's like, like you're surviving, like you just sweated off all, you just walked five miles through, a like 90 degree rice field, eat the freaking cookie, right? <laughs> Don't have shame about it. But when I got back home, I kind of, I kept that with me. Like now, if I want some ice cream or I want that it's like I'll eat it but the difference is it's not like this eating my emotions or this punishment reward type of cycle anymore it's like I am I am loving myself right every day I love myself I do things to nourish my body and part of it is if I really want like I want this thing right now is it tastes really good and I just want to eat it I don't want to deny myself um, I'll do it so it's I realized how much I was coming from a place of denial, like just denying myself, deny the cycle of that over and over um, before I left. And ironically, I, like I, I never lost weight. I never really got to the point I wanted to be. And I was like going to a gym, like just every day, just killing myself, right? Um, and denying myself constantly, but your body can't really sustain that. And it, becomes very reactive than when you do eat it's like well oh she's finally eating let's like let's like you make this you know make this count and last right um so now i'm at a much more i would say a more loving gentle stable place um and also feeling like much stronger and healthier and that's yeah that's a beautiful place to be in it's still a journey and i remind myself all the time you know when 
different things come up in my head from old stories and patterns. They're hard to break sometimes. But yeah, eat the cookie. I would tell old Laura that too. Like, geez, just eat it. <laughs> the cookie. <laughs> awesome. I love that. So, you know, being, you know, a public speaker, a stand-up comedian, a um, speaking coach. <laughs> By the way, I got to see Laura do her stand-up over the weekend. And I laughed so hard that I had to like find a tissue. I had tears streaming down my face. It was hilarious. Um, but being all those things, you know, there are societal norms that um, project what that person doing all those things should look like. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how do you process that? How do you deal with that? And how do you feel like you're breaking out of that mold? Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's fine. I see it more almost as a an age thing too, right? Like when I recently told some relatives, yeah, I did the stand up, you know, comedy, and I'm doing it kind of for fun, right? It's mm -hmm. um, and if I'm going to help teach people to be better communicators and speakers, there's a lot of different ways to communicate, and finding humor, being able to get in front of people and be that vulnerable to the place where you need to try to make people laugh like every seven seconds, right? It's not easy. So I love challenging myself in new ways to make me a better coach as well. But as far as those societal norms, I would say it kind of has to do with age too, because the comment I keep getting is like, what, like, is this your new career? Like even my own son, he's like, mom, like pick a lane. Why don't you pick one thing that you want to be when you grow up and then try to get good at that thing? <laughs> But um, so that's part of it, I think, is being, um, you know, being over 50 and then starting something new. And that's where you have to tell yourself, like when people judge you, it's because like you're challenging them and their beliefs in some way. Right. And life is life is short. And I don't think I think when you feel like you need to either fit some kind of mold or be a certain age to try something new, then you're really again, it's denial, right? You're denying yourself an opportunity to grow. Like I could fall flat on my face and I have I did an open mic where I just did not feel like it went over very well. <laughs> And it was so humbling. It was basically the same material, but for some reason, all the circumstances worked out that it just wasn't, wasn't clicking. And, and I remember standing there being like, oh, damn, like, why? Like, why aren't people laughing? Why am I doing this? Why are you doing this, Laura? But, um, but yeah, but you keep learning and growing and it's super fun. I think as long as you're having fun and you're learning new things, um, it's definitely worth it. And I don't think so much about how I'm supposed to look, I would say, um, doing the things I'm doing. I just, again, it's more owning the style I like, what I like. My style is very eclectic, I would say. Um, I don't really have one set thing, and I know it may not always work, but, but I'm always going to be true to myself. And I've kind of stopped asking people that much, like how things look, like, does this look good on me? Is that look, it's like, you know what? Just, I'm just looking at myself being like, yeah, I can pull off this bikini. Why not? I'm going to do it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> this is my beach body. I'm on the beach and I have a body. <laughs> Here we go. Done. Yeah. <laughs> I love awesome. that. It's absolutely awesome. What do you think? Um, what freedoms do you feel like you have around your body or body acceptance and love? 
now that you're over the age of 50, which I have to say, I told Diana when we invited you on, like there's going to be a number of our listeners that don't believe you're over 50, by the way. Um, but what, what kind of freedom do you feel um, at that age? Mm, I like that question. Well, first of all, I've got the Zoom filter thing, like all the way up to like the top, like to correct. So yeah, I mean, I could be 80 and it's probably just like, it's gonna hide all the wrinkles and everything. But no, thank you for that. I certainly don't, I mean, I don't know. I used to say like, oh, I don't feel like I don't feel my age, but no, I do. I feel my age, like, cause that's my age, right? I'm 54 and that doesn't mean I have to feel old. It certainly doesn't mean I have to act old. People that really know me tell me that all the time. Like I don't act my age either and that's okay. You don't have to, you know, again, fit into that mold. And that's where to me, the freedom is. It's letting go of the societal norms of how you should dress, how you should act, how you should feel when you're over 50. It's all like your experiences in your life, your physical experiences, emotional, spiritual experiences lead you to feel the way you do. And I'm definitely still very much young at heart, connected to the little girl within me, um, wanting to try new things all the time. And I do believe that keeps me feeling young, but also maybe it just keeps me feeling like alive, right? Who I am right now. Um, but definitely there is a certain amount of an over 50, just, you know what, you know, I don't know some girl like ends up like a mean comment or something or a guy, you know, it's just like, okay. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> affect me. Like I don't let things like absorb into me anymore where it used to be like over and over in my mind. I can't believe that person said that to me. It was so rude. Why did they say that? Wait, is it true? Like, is it <laughs> You know, and now I just kind of let it roll off. So I think there's a lot of freedom in that for sure. Not letting other people's criticisms about you, no matter what it is, really affect you. Um, That's huge. It's different than feedback, right? Feedback like we get on speeches or something. That's great. That's from a place of love, wanting you to be better. But um, I think harsh criticisms you might get on social media, something like that. That's, no, it's not even worth your time. You know, who cares? (laughs) I'm hearing you say, like, really check the source of the feedback um, and then decide about how much of it you want to actually absorb and, and to know that to really trust yourself the most. And I, I actually may, mentioned this in private conversation to Arliss about myself, and I would love your feedback on it. So one of the things that I've felt more challenged with recently is that in my branding, I feel like I really want to be more and more about embodying yourself, having fun. And I do a lot of that. And I do a lot of it in like tank tops, in like bikinis, like wearing clothes that I truly wear. And I've lately been feeling like, hmm, there's a disconnect in how I dress for BNI. There's a disconnect in how I dress for other things, right? And like, there's a part of me that feels that desire to show up in a professional way, right? Especially like my past experience. I I think you both can resonate with that. Um, But then also this like this battle for like wanting to show up as myself, which myself is I show up in shorts and a tank top. Maybe I'm wearing a crop top. Maybe it's a bikini, (laughs) you know, like that's, that's who I am. And I'd love your feedback. Like how do like any feedback you have for me? 
Well, it sounds like it's part of your brand is being fun, right? Being um, okay with your, in your own skin, like showing your, yourself in a way that's natural and beautiful and true to who you are. And honestly, I think at, if you show up that way for business meetings, for um, Toastmasters, that type of thing, I personally think that's okay. Other people might disagree because it's reflecting part of who you are and your business and you look beautiful, right? I think it's absolutely, I am fine with it. Um, like we have a gym owner in the group and she's always in her tank, in her gym clothes, right? Showing up and it just, she looks so strong and it makes you just want to, you're like, oh, look at those arms. Like, yeah, she can help me get the, you know? And I think that's okay. We have contractors who are in there you know, contracting overalls and baseball caps and grimy and, and that's reflecting their work that of what they do in the world, right? Um, so when you do need, you feel like you need to look maybe more professional for a certain event or something like that, I think you can still bring parts of yourself to it, right? And I think that's okay too. Um, like if I have to wear a suit jacket, well, okay, I'm going to make it velvet, and I'm gonna like wear some pearls and I'm gonna make it funky or wear a t-shirt with it or something like that. Like, I think it's, you know, you can still bring elements of yourself. So you're not feeling like you're faking it, you know, or you're um, pretending to be somebody you're really not and you don't feel comfortable. Cause then that shows through too, that you're not feeling quite comfortable with yourself. Yeah. I like that. Thank you. I, yeah, I love that. and. You know, I personally, in professional settings, I would rather have the person that shows up in a tank top or a bikini bottom or whatever it is, um, fully dedicated to being there and being present and supporting the people there and interacting fully than the person that comes completely professionally dressed and you can tell is reading their email during the meeting. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I and I think that we're moving moving in our society away from these false meanings that have been put on clothes and what they mean about the people that are wearing them. And I love that you are part of that movement. Um, and and honestly, your professionalism and your sincerity shines through so much that I don't even notice that you're necessarily wearing a tank top. I mean, I love that you wear tank tops, but that's not the first thing I notice. Thanks. I, you know, I think that even just brings up to that point of like, we all see ourselves in this way that's a little more self-conscious or where we're, where we're going through this internal battle in our own mind. Um, and I hear, you know, both of you saying it's, it's really not about the other feedback and there will be people who say that, but that there is something about the authenticity that rings true and that a lot of it is in the energy of how you're doing it. And sometimes, I mean, honestly, sometimes how we look and what we wear does, we feel a certain way when we're wearing different things, right? So it does affect that. So there's that to keep in mind. I mean, some people just don't care, right, about it. Uh, me personally, like I do, it does affect me how I look. I feel, I do feel either more myself or less myself. So. I think showing up more like yourself, right? Like I love red lipstick. I'm going to wear that to the gym or the grocery store. I don't really care. It makes, it just makes me feel better. Like I just like it. And so I should do that because it's just being true to myself. But um, if it's not being true to yourself and you're doing it for someone else and you feel like you should, I find when I use the word should in a sentence, oh, I should wear that or I should do this, or then it's usually um, again, denying yourself being true to yourself.
Yeah, I love that. We should never should on ourselves. Yes, that's right. I knew someone said that. <laughs> it was you. <laughs> I love that. I always t tell my clients, I'm like, why would you want to feel shitty? <laughs> <laughs> you don't. But yeah, I think it's, uh, but I think it's also like we all get to honor that there are places where we have those shoulds, right? Where, where we have an idea of who we're supposed to be versus who we're not. And that a lot of our life journey is about just all the more realizing what we knew when we were babies, like, oh, that version of ourself who is really the pure purest version where we're living in joy and just doing what we want and willing to experiment and to to fall flat on our face and uh, and to learn that's the version of us that feels most alive whatever age we are being really true to just that joyous part of ourselves like if you picture a young child yeah just playing in a puddle naked you know they're just like they don't care how people are looking at them they're just enjoying being so present being alive you know in their bodies feeling everything on their skin and and what it that feels like right and yeah we lose that as we get older it's really nice to try to get back to that absolutely and it's one of the things that you've mentioned multiple times in our discussion today um, about how you're bringing play back into your life. You know, like you've taken exercise, what used to be classified as exercise, and you've really made it play. I love that. I love that so much. And it's so much, I think, about not caring how people are viewing you around you. Like I had um, one day, I was actually celebrating a Balinese holiday. It's called Silent Day, Nyepi. And I wanted to still celebrate it because it was such a meaningful holiday for me when I was there last year. And uh, so it was, it was a couple months ago, I think. And the point around the holiday is to not be on a screen at all. No electricity actually at all is used in the whole country. They turn off the Wi-Fi and the internet. Imagine they did that here. People would be freaking out, but they turn it off. You're not allowed to turn on lights, it's candles. Um, you fast and you don't speak to anyone. You cannot speak out loud to another person. So I don't know, the holiday's kind of custom made for me actually <laughs> as the introvert I am. But this year I was going, you know, I'm here and I decided to get up really early and go to Hapuna Beach and be alone there all day. I wore my, my teeniest bikini. I'm just gonna go in and just be in the ocean and meditate and just be with myself all day, not speak to anyone. And it was funny because I got there really early. It was a Saturday and all the tourists are back, right? But when I got there, there was no one. And it was raining for the first time and cold for the first time, like since I since I've moved here, like almost five years ago. But I didn't care. Like I sat in the surf in my bikini and just felt the rain on my body and and being in the surf. And it was the most spiritual experience I've had in so long. Like I felt so connected to my body and the earth. And I just there's just so much power and beauty in that. But the funny thing is all these people started showing up and I didn't want anyone to talk to me. So I said, well, now's a good time for just to go for a walk. So I ended up going for a walk in my little bikini, right? And, and I didn't realize this turned into like this kind of like treacherous hiking trail at one point. And I'm just barefoot in my bikini and I'm passing all these tourists and like hiking boots and it was raining, right? So they had rain gear and all this stuff. And I'm, and they're looking at me like I'm crazy. And they're like, isn't that rough on your feet? And I just had to shrug because I can't talk to them. <laughs> 
But then because I'm barefoot, I found this one patch of mud. It was like this really cool kind of clay-like volcanic mud. I'm like, you know what would be cool, Laura? I'm saying to myself silently, like I should scoop up a bunch of that mud and I'll take it back to, with me to the beach. And I'm going to give myself like a mud facial because I'm going to be there all day, like, right, for hours. And I like that would be a thing I can do. It'd be fun. So I scoop up all this mud and just creates this big mud ball. And I carried that back with me. And now I really look insane because I'm <laughs> passing these tours with this huge ball of mud. It kind of looks like maybe something else I won't mention, but I'm just so people are kind of keeping their distance at this point. And I go all the way to my my blanket back on the beach and I smear, I decide I start with my face, but there was so much left. I'm like, I'm just gonna smear my whole body with this mud. And by now there's like hundreds of tourists packing the beach. I just covered myself with this mud and I let myself bake in the sun. It was really awesome. Like my skin is going to feel and look amazing. This is so fun. Um, so then I, I get up about 15 minutes later. I'm like, okay, the mud's all dry. I'm going to just run into the ocean, wash it off. I must've looked insane. Like people looking at me. Like, who is she? And I get into the water and I wash it all off. Like, oh, this is so nice. Like come back out. And again, this part of like, just not caring what people think. And I realized the mud has stained all of my skin orange <laughs> there was something in that mud like the volcanic stuff it was super orange clay and it got baked in from the sun and i was orange <laughs> and i still didn't care i still didn't care like i stayed there on the beach with all those people i mean i got back in the ocean i kind of scrubbed myself with some sand and eventually got a little bit better it took like a day or two <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I mean by freedom and um yeah just didn't care I didn't even try to cover myself up <laughs> that is epic and awesome <laughs> and a whole nother stand-up routine <laughs> I know I can see the people's faces as you're as, as you're passing by them in this bikini with this this pile. People still talk about it. I hope like in some family, they're like, remember that crazy woman we passed that's barefoot on that hiking trail with that big <laughs> mound of mud? Yeah, Mute? I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So Arliss, our next week's podcast um, episode is all about our bodies and consent. And Laura, I'm curious you know, if you have any two cents on on our bodies and, and the concept of consent around them, like, you know, other people thinking that they have the right, for example, to say something about our bodies or, mm. um, or, you know, to kind of feel like they have some ownership over our bodies in some way. Any yeah, thoughts on that? It's a really loaded, I mean, question that's really powerful. I think as well, like I'm remembering when I was pregnant and I got really big, like I ate like a watermelon a day when I was pregnant for some reason, that's what I wanted. So everyone thought I was having twins and they would just come touch my belly and, you know, without asking and that I just remember being so taken aback by that. Um, but I think when we comment on other people's bodies too, we do need to be careful. You know, for me growing up in high school, it was probably one, I think it was like one boy said something about my thighs, like called me thunder thighs or something. And that triggered bulimia for me, like it triggered all this like self abuse, right? Um, and then when people touch you, it depends, I guess, but it's, it's hard, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a little tricky in our society right now. 
Um, but you never know what someone has experienced. And we all harbor stories within us that maybe some stories we don't share with others, you know, um, and I am a victim of some sexual abuse. And it's uh, so if someone touches me a certain way, it might trigger something if I don't know that person really well. Um, so I've experienced, you know, like, you do not have consent. And yet, um, I was still violated in that way. So um, that's why I said it's, it's complicated, right? So I think you have to approach people knowing that you don't know, like you don't know their story, you don't know their scars. We have our external scars and then we have our internal scars, right? Mm -hmm. And those internal ones are much slower to heal. And so I think it's being sensitive to people in that way. Yeah, I love that. And what I hear you saying is, not only do we need to follow the golden rule, you know, treat others as we want to be treated, we need to follow an even higher rule. I've had it, I've seen it um, referred to as the platinum rule, uh, treat others how they choose they want to be treated. So, and that might be a whole nother podcast for us, Diana. I know we have so many topics that just come up in like our organi organic conversations. It's so much fun. You guys are rocking it. This is an amazing, amazing thing. I think you're changing lives, helping people, switching mindsets. And it's so important. I think the questions that you're asking and the discussions that you're having. So thank you so much for having me and for doing what you do and sharing so much of your passion um, in, in improving, improving other people's lives, changing their lives. Yeah. Laura, um, in like two sentences, do you have one last golden nugget that you'd like to leave everyone with? I would say the most important thing is to be unapologetically you, right? To stop apologizing for things, right? Like notice that you're doing that and just stop and unapologetically follow your heart and be true to yourself. Wow. You heard it here on the Body Positivity Podcast. Be unapologetically you. Thank you, Laura Reed, for joining us today. We are so um, honored to have you here. I'm sure we will have you back in the future. Um, it's been an amazing, amazing discussion. Thank you so much, Laura. Thank you, guys. You guys are the best. Love you both.